This is Transcend with Nat, where we're discovering our higher purpose and sharing stories and awarenesses along the path of transcendence. Hi, and welcome to Transcend with Nat. This is Nat, and I'm your host. Uh, Today, we have Russell Bishop on the show, but before I get into that awesome interview, I want to tell you about an event that I'm going to be doing really soon, um, and I'd love for you to come. It's going to be online, and uh, throughout the years, I've had a lot of people ask me to talk more about what it was like to live with, to travel with, to work with, um, and to learn from my spiritual teacher, John Roger, who had... Uh, students all over the world. And so I'm answering those requests by doing this event, which is going to be a Q- Q&A about my experiences with John Roger, with um, learning from a, an amazing, a great uh, spiritual master. And you can ask me anything about what that was like, what that experience was like for me Um, And there will be, I'm sure, plenty of stories about who this man, John Roger, was and what my experiences were um, with him, which are I've shared some on this show. uh, But this is your opportunity to ask me any questions you have about that. So if you're interested in that, you can go to my website, transcend.online and get more information about that event. It's going to be an online event, so wherever you are in the world, uh, you can tune in, you can participate, you can ask me your questions. Uh, So go to transcend.online, and you can go to the courses and events section um, and find out more, and I, I hope to see you there. So let's get into this interview now. Today, I'm really excited to have Russell Bishop on. Russell is a pioneer in the area of personal growth and professional transformation. Uh, he is started Insight Seminars with John Roger um, and created that program. He's the author of Workarounds. And um, when I asked him, uh, you know, what he's doing today, he said he's a servant, <clears throat> excuse me, a servant to the call of spirit and uh, sometimes that comes in as consulting, as doing trainings, um, as ministering to people. Whatever that call is for him is where he goes. So w- welcome to the show, Russell. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's a great service you're providing people with the benefit of all those years of, of learning, instruction, and growing. What, what a great, beautiful offering you have here. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. And it's a pleasure to get to connect with uh, my guests and those who listen. Um, It's just a great forum and opportunity to have more of that kind of uh, connection um, in in so many ways. So thanks for being on the show. Um, There's a lot going on in the world right now. And uh, in a lot of ways, the work that you've been involved in for decades now um, is you know, needed um, and probably being used more than ever now in this time. So just out of curiosity, from a, a human consciousness standpoint, um, how, do you, how do you see 
what's going on and, and the best way to respond to, to the things we're seeing going on with the pandemic and the response and all of that. Yeah, that's a, I mean, there's so many elements to that. Um, on the one hand, this is really a call for awakening. And uh, J.I. used to talk about awakening. We created insight. We call it the awakening heart. Uh, something that's obvious about awakening is that something that awakens was previously asleep. It's obvious. Uh, equally obvious, but we never think about it, is that if something is asleep, what was it before that? Awake. Awake. Exactly. So whereas transformation programs all around the world for decades have been around, Matt, you need to change. So we're going to help you transform your life. Well, if you look up transformation in the dictionary, it says that it's a change in, change in form or appearance. So I like to say, well, let's say I've got one of those really old Volkswagen Beetles. Yeah. But I always wanted a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Well, I could buy a Ferrari car kit and stick it on top of the Volkswagen frame. And would I have a Ferrari? No. No, I just have a Volkswagen pretending to be a Ferrari. So that's something that Jared and I used to talk about from time to time uh, when we moved away from the transformation. Because you can, uh, if someone's in fear, which is all over the planet right now, mm-hmm. uh, if you transform fear, what do you get? Well, you used to get anger because that's a transformation of fear. So it's a lashing out. Yeah. Or you get a contraction and a withdrawal. Yeah. But nothing elevated anything. So uh, we would sometimes talk about transmuting something. If you transmute fear, uh, you transmutation in the dictionary says it's a change in form or appearance to a higher level. Okay. Well, then that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, transformation of fear. I was just talking with John Morton about this the other day to transform or transmute fear. You move into acceptance. Yeah. Well, we know that's the first law of spirit. Yeah. You move into acceptance. Doesn't mean to like it. It just means that's what's there. And then we can work with it. But eventually the whole game is about how do you transcend it? And to transcend means to rise above and to rise above the negativity. Those are dictionary definitions. So JR taught transcendence. I think that's what's happening on the planet right now. It's the opportunity to at least transmute, if not transcend. And the fact that we all have to sort of hunker down right now means you see it in the environment. I mean, air clears up. I mean, there's there's a, a resting period from which another emergence will take place. So I kind of see that going on uh, and a great opportunity. Then I see uh, organizations and people who care are coming together in ways they never did before. And I know I'm personally consulting to a number of uh, spiritually oriented not-for-profit organizations Mm -hmm. who are collaborating with each other about the lessons they're learning and how to reach more people. Where before, without ever thinking it, they were actually unconscious competitors with one another. Yeah. So JR told us this was a time on the planet where we're moving from the, the age of the individual to the age of the group. And it's about how do we move together. So I think the great opportunity is moving together in consciousness, transcending the limitations of what happens when we move in fear. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting area of watching um, how things are changing in the world and how there's there's really different pockets in a way or different levels of consciousness um, that that are expressing themselves. And in, in some ways, it seems like you were just talking about, there's um, amazingly positive or uplifting, you could say, um, up-leveling transformation or transmuting, as you were saying, um, going on, and in some cases, probably transcending as well. Um, and then there's also on the flip side there, there you see, like you were talking about the fear and the anger that comes from the transforming the fear to the anger, um, and the, and the coming back now for myself, personally, I found myself in all of those at times yes. the transcendent at times in the transmuting at times in the fear and at times in the anger. Um, and it seems like that's been as a personal experience, um, what I've been going through. But I'd like to touch more on your thoughts on on this collective, this moving into more, I don't know if it's collective or more um, community where we're all, where we're all, the and the differences really is what I'm getting at between the greater good, which is often used, which leaves people behind in my opinion, and this other thing that you're seeing, which is maybe the highest good, but also inclusive of where there's room for everyone and how you see that playing out um, or how we can choose more into that. Well, that's a great, um, a great uh, question. Um, whether we listen to how JR framed this or we listen to the physicists, it's the same thing. There's only one energy in the world. It's only one energy. And you know, in physics, you cannot create energy and you cannot destroy it. All you can do is change its form. So everything, you, me, uh, this equipment, it's just energy in different forms. Now, why that matters is energy, in fact, communicates. So here's my favorite little tiny example. Uh, do you happen to be listening to the BBC radio right now? No. No. Oh. Is BBC radio in your room right now? Possibly. If you were a radio, you could turn it on and find out. Yeah. Because BBC is in the room with you right now. Yeah. You're just not the radio, so you're not with BBC. I'm not tuned to so frequency. So if we turn on the radio, we hear the information that's already there. Yeah. Now, Jared talked about that all the time. He used to say uh, to me, went back in stubborn, obstinate times, <laughs> which only happened every day. Uh, he said, Russell, the information is available to you. The only question is, are you available to it? Yeah. Okay. So now the radio is in the room. Radio is just a frequency. It's just energy manifesting a certain way. Same thing goes for TV and all kinds of other signals. You're not responsible for the thoughts that come into your head, only the ones you hold on to. Well, what does that mean? The thoughts that come into our head, thoughts are energies. Yeah. And they actually communicate. And in, in recent, um, oh, last couple of years, there's a whole new technology called MEG, similar to EEG. It can actually measure the thoughts that are going on without having to touch the body. 
wow. because it's measuring the, the frequency that's being sent from us and received by us. Wow. So what happens when we talk about, well, one moment I'm in the fear and anger, another time I'm in acceptance, another time I'm open, another time I'm closed. Well, that's how I focus. And wherever I focus, Gerald used to say, energy follows thought. Yep. So now um, he also used to say, uh, uh, choice is a great teacher. Yes. What I choose shows my outcome, changes my experience. So I think part of what's going on, I mean, that, that's a simple question you answered that's so complex, is we're all learning how the, to tune into energy that's always present and how to adjust it. And so if you need to be the radio to receive BBC, mm -hmm. you don't need to be anything except who you are to receive the thoughts. And more importantly, as I hold a thought, not only am I changing my own experience, I'm actually become the broadcaster. Yeah. And other people start to pick it up. So now the more we can have more of us holding this loving energy, the more that broadcasts. And for anybody who's listening right now who has children, if you're getting scared by watching the news, even if you don't say anything, you're broadcasting fear into your family. Yeah. So now how do you transmute that, at least, if you get actually transcend it and begin to broadcast loving into the room? Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant. And um, yeah, it just really, it reaffirms kind of the context of of the spiritual principles that we talk about and how that works individually within our own consciousness and our own thoughts and it really does like you say become about that the where we're placing our focus and where we're which is basically where we're placing our focus the way i see it is where that's where we're the whole the thoughts we're holding on to um and and then the energy follows that. And it's interesting because one of the things I've done a lot um, in recent years is, and for a while even, is really to just uh, contemplate how um, this all ties, how spiritual principles ties in with money, specifically finances and things like that. Um, and one of the things that I've really thought of, which kind of, goes in with what you've been talking about here is if you look at money as just energy um, or representation of energy, um, then, then you can really look at like, where are you placing your energy uh, versus like coming from a limitation of, I don't have enough. It's just energy. So like, is it in line? Is it on purpose with mm -hmm. what your focus is and the way you're spending it? Um, or is it, you know, is it not in line with that versus like the traditional budget type of idea? Um, do you have any thoughts on, on money and energy and how that all fits in finances? Cause I know there's a lot of people kind of dealing with those brass tacks right now, especially. Oh yeah. Well, what it, it does in several ways is allows us to become aware 
of what our internal relationship is to our own well-being. Now, uh, we always used to say peace is present. Yeah. But am I present with the peace? Yeah. So when John Roger and I, and for those who don't know, John Roger was a spiritual teacher that Nat and I shared. Uh, he helped us in so many ways we couldn't even count them. But in this notion of peace is present, uh, I remember working with him in a seminar once, and uh, someone was talking about, well, how do they find their peace? And the, the question was turned back around and says, well, when you're in peace, what do you focus on? But more importantly, when you leave the experience of peace, what do you have to focus on? Because our energy follows our thought. Yeah. So now let's think about money. See, I, I was fortunate that my dad, this will sound strange, my dad died uh, when I just turned 19. Okay. And the family wound up bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And I had an old beater of a used car and $6 to my name, and I lived in my car. Yeah. Well, did I survive? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Did I thrive? Well, that's really interesting because somehow it was all okay. Yeah. Some part of me knew that I was not the size of my bank account. Yeah. So... If I focused on it, I could scare myself to death. Sure. Where am I going to eat? And yet I got through all that. So one of the things I invite people to to notice right now today in other webinars that I do is, are you in constant fear and anxiety or stress? Or do you have any points where you're fine? Because if you find that point where you're fine, ask yourself, how did I get to it? Yeah. And when I'm back in stress, how did I get to that? Because you can always choose back. Yeah. Because the loving and the peace is always present. So then in Insight Seminars, uh, that program I helped create and JR was instrumental in bringing about, uh, we often talk about the symbols versus experience. What do you want out of life? And money is one of the things people want. Yeah. And so we asked him, well, if you had enough money, what do you think will be true? Oh, well, then I could buy this, that, and the other thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but what we're really asking is, if you had enough money, what experiences would you have? And people would say, well, I'd be more at peace. I'd be more secure. I'd be more loving. And we would say, well, do you know anybody with a lot of money who isn't? Do you know anybody with a lot of money who is? There's no such thing as an amount, and then I'm okay. That's so true. So coming back to I'm okay just as I am. And then if I know what I want more peace in my life, then the question is, what do I do today to contribute more peace? Yeah. And it won't be 100%, just like you and me, as much as we know about this, we're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's you You are basically speaking not <laughs> – both of us are, are out there is the workshop I just did. It was just the very getting to the same thing, maybe a little different approach, a little mm-hmm. different words, but at the end of the day, it's really the same. I mean, obviously we come from the same lineage, um, but it, it's the same, same idea um, as what, you know, 
and and that's something I've worked too is is just that it doesn't matter the extern externalities in a way of what is going on outside of you. Mm-hmm. It, it really does become where are you residing towards inside of you and inside of you toward how are you perceiving that and how what's your attitude and sure way of saying it. Um, I think uh, something I want to underscore here because uh, you said we both come from the same lineage. Yeah. And uh, for for those who may not know, uh, that could be a, a very small description, meaning that we both were instructed by John Roger. Yeah. But this is ancient wisdom. Uh, this goes way back. Ancient wisdom. One of my favorite things among this, this uh, energy and thought. Mm-hmm. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, this is the Bible, right? The Old Testament. Yeah. Thousands of years ago, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. Yeah. Well, 20 years ago, they discovered neurons in the heart. So we now know there is a heart brain. Wow. Well, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, they knew it. They just didn't have that language. They, so they just said, well, as you think in your heart, so you become. Yeah, this is ancient. Yeah, I mean, to me, a lot of a lot of what um, you know, true teachers, true spiritual teachers, um, true truth teachers uh, teach is really they're just updating the information um, because the truth has been around. They may not have had the same terminology that we can express it in now, um, or the same science to. And, and that shows how to express that. Um, but it, it's something that you can really, um, that you can really find if you go back thousands of years, like you just did. And there's so many of these um, ancient traditions all the way up to today, um, that if you understand the truth behind the words, uh, then you can realize um you can realize that it's all the same truth. It's just different language for, for today. Yep. Well, it's an interesting thing I discovered years and years ago, uh, doing some trainings with John Roger, we were co-facilitating. Yeah. And we we got into this one session where we were uh, working with the group and we were defining words. And, uh, all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, wait a minute. Words have become definitions, like duh. Mm-hmm. But that means we draw a box around a word and say it's this, but it's not that. And now what we do is we draw boxes around people based on the words they're using, and then we create illusions of separation, except we all are connected energetically. So then I went, well, wait a minute. Why were words created? And then all of a sudden, uh, JR and I sort of landed on the same thing about the same time. He said, the purpose of words is direction, not definition. What do you mean? Well, words are there to help direct energy from point A to point B. And if we know that, like the word inspiration, I love that one when I discovered the the word in in terms of its um, history. Yeah. The word comes from the Vulgate Latin inspirare. And inspirare uh, means literally to be breathed by spirit. 
Wow. So inspiration, respiration, aspiration, all of these come from that notion that spirit is breathing into us. And our job is to act on it into the world. Wow. Isn't that a big difference? It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. And, um, and it points a direction, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we have inspirational speakers out there that are trying to inspire me into what? To buy their next thing? Yeah. So, the, so a nice thing happens. I, you know, sometimes the intent is pretty pure. But it's different than saying, no, wait, the source of inspiration is within. That's right. So you mentioned um, these, you know, the inspirational speakers and and how uh, they're, you know, trying. In a way, it's like often I find with spirituality, it's like people often try to um, create something uh, when often, like you were saying, peace is present in that concept. To me, it's there's a lot of it that's just more about letting go of what isn't that because that is the natural state of things um, from my perspective. Um, can you say something about uh, ways that you let go of, um, of those things that get in the way of the peace, of the inspiration, of that connection? Well, I think the, um, the, the main thing I've discovered is uh, it, it's always about focusing on the quality of experience that I seek. And then I, there's areas or choices or tools or things to focus on. But if I focus on the tool, I may not get the experience because now I become tool focused. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, but one of the values of tools, however, John Roger used to be very fond of saying, um, do not curse the rung of the ladder that got you where you are. And sometimes that's obvious what it means, but then he would also say, because, you know, if you slip and fall, you may need that rung again. So true. So if I think about sort of the inspirational, motivational folks out there, well, they certainly helped me a long time ago. Oh, yeah. So they helped me move up a ladder and then a place where other teachings could pick me up and take me further. Yeah. So the, the danger here is, is when uh, I know I've gone through this is, is that I move up or out in awareness. I can easily turn back and say, Oh, well that thing over there, that wasn't so good. Yeah. And yet without it, I wouldn't have got here. So God bless all of it. Yeah, that it, it is true that it, it's easy um, in a way. I mean, like what I'm hearing you talk about is is the judgments um, it, and it's easy yeah. to move into that, especially as you mm -hmm. find things that seem to work better for you um, to look back at people still doing something else and, and look at them in a different way. But even today, I find there's sometimes that I'll hear someone who's coming from that framework and it does inspire something um, that I may have not been looking at um, because mm -hmm. I, I've been looking at my own, the way I've seen it or something. Um, and yep. so I, I agree, like there's, there, you know, you can find truth wherever it is and, you know, doesn't mean everything that someone is doing is on your vibe, 
your frequency, but you know, there's a lot of places to find truth. And if it's truth, who cares where it comes from in a way? Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I used to, uh, uh, well, used to still do uh, is, is John Roger helped me distinguish evaluation from judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Cause it's easy to confuse the two. Yeah. And he gave a very simple example. He said, uh, don't look a long time, but look at the sun. Now look at the lamp on your desk. Which one's brighter? The sun. That's an evaluation. Yeah. A judgment is that stupid lamp. Yeah. It's not as bright as it could be. Well, very small difference between evaluation. That's not as bright as the sun. And that stupid lamp isn't as bright. Yeah. Now I'm in that downward spiral. Spiral. Yeah. I was used to like a, in parallel to that. A lot of people these days are talking about shadow and the shadow aspects of self and whatnot. Okay. Uh, real simple. Uh, have you ever seen your physical shadow? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you facing in order to see your shadow? Oh, usually away from the light source. Bingo. So whenever we're in our shadow experiences, which are the fears and the doubts and the negativities and yada, 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 we're simply focusing into the fear and the doubt and the negativity. What's the way out? You don't have to go anywhere. You just pivot in place and you look toward the light. And that's why in our work, as you know so well, we keep calling ourselves forward into the light. Yeah. We don't call the light in. It's already here. It's just I'm focusing elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. And so how that brings up a, um, a question to me, uh, because there's, there's the tools and the, the things that we can do um, to deal. I, I don't, I haven't really related them as shadow parts as much as like the things that are um, causing me to, not focus on the light or that mm -hmm. whether they're psychological or, you know, limiting beliefs, whatever all that is. Um, uh, and there's tools to work through that, clear it, all of that. Um, but the, but how do you approach that versus just shifting towards the light focus again? Um, do you see that there's something to even work on or work out with these things? Um, or do you see it as something to just basically go, oh, that's there, but let me just refocus on something else? Yeah, I think it's mostly just a function of awareness. Okay. So I'm aware I'm focusing there. Oh, okay, great. So now I have a choice. Yeah. Until I'm aware, I don't have any choices. Yeah. As soon as I'm aware, I now have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one one of the tools i would say that comes to mind is once i'm aware of it i can forgive myself um if i'm doing a judgment um which to me it's like it, it is it is a tool to deal with those parts that are doing things that aren't in line with our our like most expanded nature um but it's also it's a process of moving back towards that focus also well i think this is one of the most um uh, subtle and yet profound aspects of esoteric and spiritual awareness is that uh, a lot of people, when they heard you say, forgive myself, mm -hmm. uh, 
they will think of forgiveness as about a behavior. Yeah, true. An action and, and the judgment of it. And the, um, the reason that judgment is so negative in terms of its impact on us is that there's only one energy. It all comes from God. It's God manifest. Did God create all of this? That's either yes or no. (laughs) So if this is all of God, it's all of God's creation. How is God going to busy itself judging itself? So if I enter into judgment, I'm then judging the divine. So if I judge you, Matt, no, there he goes again. I have now created a separation between me and the divine because the divine's in you. So in the act of judging you at a deeper level, maybe the one we call the unconscious level, I'm aware that I'm now judging my own spirit. Yeah. And so the forgiveness is I forgive myself for judging myself. And ultimately, we say I forgive myself for forgetting I'm divine. And so the judgment separates from the awareness of the oneness. The forgiveness brings us back into it. Yeah. That's really easy to say. That's uh, that's, that's a profound truth, I think, that you're talking about. And as you were talking, I was like, you know, in the the end, it's it's God judging God um, and and putting, it's using that energy to create awareness of separation but it's a, it's not the truth of what it is because there right. isn't a separation. So it's letting go um, that perspective, that viewpoint is the forgiveness process in a way so that we go back to like what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, specifying like what that what that is and and that process of forgiveness because it is like you, you said, um, a lot of people will look at it, you know, differently than maybe the context we're discussing it. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we come back to, to the language, right? Like how we're, um, how we're using words and how we're just updating the information in a way. Um, and, and to me, that's a lot of what Jer was doing in terms of um, the actual information of the teachings he was doing was very much just an update of what was said before. And it's the same. If you look at Jesus, he was often most of the time quoting from the Torah, the old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it really, it becomes like this constant, uh, the truth constantly updates itself with those people who can see it. Yep. Very much. Yeah, very much. Um, so I think in a way that's like a beautiful place, uh, unless you have something else that's uh, on your mind to share that's that's coming present, um, that this could be a good place to close the interview for this time. Sure. Just one last comment on what you were just saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the in the Bible, it, it says, let him who has eyes see. Him who has ears, hear. Um, And I heard that a lot, but I always thought about physical eyes and physical ears. And in 1978, 
Uh, I wore thick Coke bottle glasses. I mean, I, this is, I mean, like thick. And I was going in for a form of eye surgery called radiokeratotomy. And John Roger talked to me the day before. Uh, and he said, you know, Russell, the, the surgery is going to correct a physical problem in your eyesight. But the source of the problem is not physical. What do you mean? He said, for all these many years, you've been struggling and straining to see with your physical eyes things that can only be seen with your spiritual eyes. Ah. So when we created the insight, we had this thing we called the sanctuary, yeah. a way to go inside and, and begin to see with the spiritual eyes, to invite awareness, to invite insight, to invite inspiration. And I say that's a great tool that everyone has. They just don't know it. Yeah. So for anyone listening, if you want to get a glimpse of what's going on, close your eyes. Go inside and whatever you imagine to be the your spiritual teacher, inner master, spirit guide, angel, whatever, invite that higher consciousness to be present inside and have a dialogue with it. What would you have me see I'm not yet seeing? What would you have me know I'm not yet aware of? And people will get blown away by what information comes in. Yeah, it truly is. That is a great process. And that is, um, I don't know, one of the more profound, there's a lot of profound things that take place and that are within the insight teaching framework and experience. But the, the inner sanctuary um, can be used for, in so many ways that, that can be so profound. And, and Russell just gave all of you a, a glimpse into that. And, and I think that that's something um, that that's something that's definitely worth the price of, of the insight alone, the insight one. Um, so thank you so much, Russell, for being on the show. It was great to talk to you and to, um, so for my listeners to actually hear all this great information. So thank you. My great pleasure. Thank you so much for bringing these blessings to so many people. Thanks, Russell.